millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanners. So, let's be friends. Welcome to the Dutch Grand Prix Race Review. Hi there. That was good telly, wasn't it? You can't say there wasn't any drama. You can't say we didn't see three teams genuinely on pace fighting for a Grand Prix win on merit. That's what we wanted, isn't it? Are you not entertained? It was good wheel-to-wheel fighting, a little sprinkle of a good little conspiracy theory or two. Overall, I thought it was pretty neat. So coming up, we'll discuss, has Perez reinvented the number two role? What happened with Sonoda? And then what happened with Sonoda again the second time? And we'll pretend to be surprised about the latest string of Ferrari blunders. But we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined in the shed by Chris Stevens. Hey, Spanners. You know, after the karting event yesterday, I was on the mic for a very long time. Then, of course, the big social gathering afterwards. Watching the Grand Prix today, I have got just enough energy, I think, for a one-hour race review. Well, it's a good job we never exceed our budgeted one hour of time. And we're also joined, to to take some of the pressure off you just saying things, we're also joined by Alex Jeans-Evangene. Hello, Alex. Evening. I am physically battered from yesterday and mentally battered from today. Yeah, it's, it all gets a bit more smushy and painful as we get towards the upper age of the ages that exist. <laughs> uh, also joined in the shed from Australia, Jonathan Simon. Hey, Jono. Fun race. I'll tell you this much. I was planning to sleep like three or four hours before the podcast, but the race was so exciting. 
I ended up looking into it, delving into analysis. We're ready to pick this apart for this podcast. Can I add one thing? Was this a Formula One race or was this like a house party and then somebody just randomly said, hey, let's have a Formula One race in the backyard? That's let's what it felt in. like. Yeah, there is a, there is definitely a party atmosphere at Zanvor. And I think it, the whole event seemed to go well. Uh, I'm glad there was no flares at the start of the race because that smoke on track, it seems dangerous and also it is a bit annoying. But everything else about this race seemed to pop and it seems on paper like a race where, oh, maybe after Spa with people ghosting past each other, this is going to be a tight track where nothing really happens, Chris. But I think a combination of a few factors made mm. this a, a, re, a re, like a completely different race from last year. It's really nice to see how the pecking order seems to change depending on the circuit. Spa and Zandvoort, I don't think you could get two more different racetracks. So all the struggles that Mercedes were having, for example, at Spa, they didn't have this weekend at Zandvoort because it's a much more high energy circuit and there's just no give in the circuit at all. You've got a pit straight that is relatively short. That is the only little break that the driver, the car, the tyres, crucially, get across the lap. Yeah, to add to that as well, the next race we've got is Monza, which is very, very similar to Spa. And that's where we could see that pecking order of Red Bull coming out and dominating that race. But then the race after that in early October is Singapore. Now, if that's still going to run ahead, which it is, as far as I know, I'm hoping it runs ahead. I missed that race. That's where you could see a similar event to what we saw today, to what we saw in Hungary. See three teams battling it out. You could see Ferrari struggling, Mercedes potentially take pole so it's a very interesting racetrack yeah. here today at Zambor. we've got a great race out there yeah and i think as well uh the the tires are different this season i've been trying to mull over in my head why and i think chris we used to have this very straightforward kind of system of you either have the super grippy one but it doesn't last as long or you have a, a less well performing one on lap time but it will last you for longer it doesn't quite mm. feel like that anymore it feels like the thermal characteristics of the tyre windows mean that sometimes you, you just get one tyre actually lasts longer and is faster, you know, yeah. depending on what, what range they're in. And what it's giving us is like a different delta between teams sometimes on track, which will naturally promote more overtaking. It's great as well to see the different teams suiting different compounds of tyre. I mean, when we think about uh, Budapest, for example, we kept on saying going onto the hard tyre was a terrible decision because it just wasn't working. Here it was the complete opposite. I think because it was such a high energy circuit, like we were saying, it started to make the uh, that compound work quite well. So it was a very popular tyre. The tyres yeah. this year in general they are better in dirty air compared to previous years. So combined with the, uh, you know, the, the better aerodynamics for following, plus those tyres, plus the yeah. DRS around the banked final corner, ended up making this not just a great race tactically, but a great race for wheel-to-wheel -wheel battles. Yeah, and what, I've seen, what I'm starting to see a pattern of is if the race happens to suit a harder compound, that puts it into the, the wheelhouse of a certain team. If suddenly you go, oh, the soft tyre is the right choice, for example, that will generally kind of bring it back into Red Bull's clutches. Um, uh, John, uh, and then uh, Alex. So, and uh, you know what I noticed today as well is, maybe it's just me, but it's not often we get to see three tyre compounds all be competitive in the same race. We generally yeah. have races where it's a soft and medium, or maybe it's the medium hard. Today, we've got all three going at the same time. That's what made this race even more interesting. And what was interesting more about it was, 
at the beginning of the race, nobody was really wanting to use the hard tyre. They didn't think the hard tyre was going to be good because the temperatures were lower today. But then once the Mercedes got on that hard tyre, it was, oh, actually, no, once Alonso got yeah. on that hard tyre and Lando Norris got on that hard tyre, all of a sudden it started to come into play. And then the Mercedes really, really made that work. It's actually what brought them into the race and actually put them in contention. Yeah, and it's slightly lucky, actually. We Obviously, we'll get into the, the, the fine details of people's strategies. But there was no guarantee that the hard was definitely going to work today, for example. Yeah, and that's why when the uh, the tyre blankets came off and all the mechanics go to the side of the grid and you get the little graphic that says yeah. who's starting on what tyre, I was rubbing my hands, seeing the Merc starting on the medium tyre because it, it seemed like a guarantee that they were going for a one-stop and then the, the Red Bulls and the Ferraris were going for a two-stop and that just was already a very tantalising yeah. prospect. And again, Pirelli seems to have pitched this right now where it's it's not like near guaranteed one-stop races. It used to be, for the last few years, it's been, well, is it a comfortable one-stop or is it a bit of a stretch one-stop? Whereas now we seem to have a genuine choice most of the time between a one and a two. And I think that is, that's throwing up some really interesting options unless you get these safety cars and VSCs, which we seem to get pretty much every race now, which which does affect the which does affect the tactics and sometimes sort of erases them so there's these kind of sweet spots alex isn't there where if you get a safety car i don't know like say lap 10 15 that kills the strategy because you know you know there's no onus to try and stretch it out and and there's a few like key points isn't there where if you get a stoppage or a safety car you go oh all that all that all that tactics that not really relevant now there's not really a moment where safety cars do affect the strategy in a positive way. It always seems to kill the strategy. I think um, they should start issuing um, just red flags like they're doing karting, which is a red flag comes out, everyone just stops on the spot. Everyone stops on the spot, they clear the rubbish away, and then they will start again. That would would, would eliminate all these issues. Um, Mm -hmm. But we've seen it over the years, is there is only winners and losers. There is never a middle ground where everybody's about the same unless it's the first lap. Yeah, oh, okay. If, so, it's, if it happens if it happens in the middle of the race, you have winners, you have losers. No yeah. one is kind of just left where they were. Okay, so we were going to have this chat later, but I think this is a good start point. And we will go on to basically how the race was won and lost. And I think the story of today is how Lewis Hamilton could have won that race. I think that's the interesting narrative to hang all the other performances <laughs> off of. But um, we were, I think this what is the point of the virtual safety cars and the safety cars? Because the virtual safety car was brought in to neutralize the race at first, Chris. And I don't, I don't think it does do that. The virtual safety car is a tactical opportunity to take your pit stop. And with the safety car, it's the same. It, it does neutralize the field in the, the idea is you, you're not bunching up the field together. In theory, the gaps after a VSC should remain the same. That was the point of it. Whenever you introduce a VSC, a caution period, whatever. And it is the same in every single motorsport unless they close the pit lane. You're always going to be able to get a cheap pit stop out of it. I think the only other series, IndyCar has a rule where you can only refuel a certain amount under a safety car so no. that it, it doesn't like or, or, massively benefit you. Okay, but the, it is a choice. They could just make a rule that says pit lanes, actually, it's open, but you can't change tyres under a virtual safety car or a safety car. Yeah. That would be fine. You can come in from a mechanical problem, a safety issue. So it is a choice as to whether you're allowed to or not. You could, but then it's part of the game, isn't it? It's part of the tactics, and I think you would be removing an element of the sport by doing so. Alex? 
Yeah, I mean, yes, it removes tactics and it gives people a chance to gain and people to lose. But I think we've seen it far too many times completely neutralise the excitement of a race where it's been building and building and building for 45 minutes an hour. We're getting really close to a crescendo to see where things will work out. And we didn't get it. I mean, we were going to be treated to a proper battle. A hunt. Between between Max and Lewis today, which we've all been desperate for, and we lost it because a safety car came out and it ruined it for us, and it took a lot of the fun away, regardless of what the result was in the end, or the result could have been in the end. We didn't get to see it play out like we've been waiting for for an hour. I would love the opportunity as as a Hamilton fan to be able to say to you, look when there's a safety car and it benefits Lewis Hamilton, I find that equally unsatisfying. But I literally cannot remember the last time a safety car benefited Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Jono then, Chris. I, it would have been, I think that one would have been Imola. I remember last year in the championship, he had that red flag. Was that even a safety car? Or was it a red flag? I can't remember. It was one of the two. But, red flag. Um, the yeah, Bottas, straight... um, the Bottas-Russell <laughs> crash where Lewis yeah. was buried in a wall and got a lap back. <laughs> That was the one. But what you're looking for, Spanners, is you're looking for fairness, right? Which I think is what we all want in in sports. But I've dealt with organizations, you know, in motorsport, and and I can tell you they think about this stuff. And a lot of them prefer entertainment over fairness sometimes. You know, they still prioritize the fairness part of it, but they want to have a good show. And sometimes a lottery is entertaining for people to watch. And when you invite pit stops under safety car or virtual safety cars, yes, it's annoying as an athlete when you work so hard and you want fairness. But for the fans at home, it's quite kind of exciting. It's a roll of the dice. Okay, sorry. In our patron live chat, hello uh, to our Slack group there. We do have a live chat as part of our patron Slack group. Rob Asher says, how about in a safety car, you can only change three tyres. Ferrari, oh, <laughs> Ferrari <laughs> are well prepared for this already. Comment of the week. <laughs> oh, is that done? Do I not have to worry about it now? Uh, we'll see we'll see how we go chris okay okay cool um i'm going to challenge jeansy's pessimistic viewpoint that safety cars always ruin races because they don't they sometimes make races absolutely brilliant we've seen some thrilling finales Uh, i i think back to when ricardo won in china a few years ago when he was hunting down drivers on fresh soft tires i remember the uh austin grand prix that uh raikkonen one where we had three completely different strategies all converging right at the end of the race and it was absolutely thrilling stuff with Hamilton and Verstappen as well so yes safety cars giveth they taketh away that is how racing works okay but you, the majority you, of the time though they ruin it all yeah. right go back and count all of them then go on okay. but i'm just saying i'm just saying it is a choice and i think i think jono's sort of making the point there really that they've kind of chosen in the direction of entertainment and i think we do have cautions and i'm i like safety and i like the fact that you know double yellow wave flags are being used less but that might be a reaction of course to jules bianchi and that accident was under double waved yellows but also that was in the sopping wet as well i think there could be a case for more dry double waved yellows uh, in in situations you know where it's less dangerous but they do tend to go to the virtual safety car and the safety car that's gonna reduce accidents to a certain extent so it's hard to argue with but i do think they are quick to go to go safety or quicker to go virtual safety car and safety car but the simple thing of saying you can't change your tires under caution to me would just be an instant uh, fairer thing but it would be less exciting it would mix things up less it would you know change the order it changed the order today alex and that's dramatic and 
it's an entertainment business. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was different back in the day when we had refueling because it could come out when you've got no fuel left. And then obviously uh, it would you, you, it retire you from the race. So that was kind of silly. But Chris's um, uh, IndyCar example would, would snuff that out. But, you know, listen, it is what it is. It's it does add to the luck element and the surprise element, which is what they want for telly. Um, but, you know, as, as a as a purist for me for that something like that that is artificial to change the fundament change the order of the race and almost kill the excitement of the race um i I think it's got too far now they're not doing it just to spice up it is a safety standpoint absolutely okay so that's why it is there i mean it would be awful wouldn't it if we enjoyed grand prix wouldn't it (laughs) Yes, and, and, to, and of course, yeah, it's artificial. Everything about having a race car race is, is artificial. Every, everything is a choice. So we're yes. just describing which choice to to make. But look, I think we need to get onto the racing action and find out where the race was won and lost. Okay, so I think we start with basically how we got into the position where Lewis Hamilton was going to be hunted down by Max Verstappen. It was actually nicely poised before the before the Sonoda type uh, incidences that happened, incidences eyes. Um, but he was out on his one-stop strategy. He had hard tires that were lasting pretty well. Perez came out on, on his hard tires to test the hard tire effectiveness for Max Verstappen and they looked pretty good. There was a, a lap time advantage, but it wasn't massive it wasn't insurmountable if Lewis Hamilton had a reasonable lead when Verstappen came out for his last stop it it looked like it was going to be a fair fight could Verstappen catch and then pass on a relatively tight track and that's the position we found ourselves in Chris and we all think back to races like La Castellet last year or Budapest the year before when you had Hamilton or Verstappen chasing down one or the other. Barcelona was the other one as well. They were some thrilling, thrilling races and it all unfolds over the course of the race. And I think Lewis, is, he had a, a, a little bit of luck in uh, science having his problem. It meant he didn't have to pass him on track. But then you could also say he could have been on the front row as well uh, because uh, remember the Perez spin right at the end of qualifying and Hamilton had to mm-hmm. abandon his last lap. And at that point, he was up on Verstappen on the lap so you know a potential front row squandered there but nonetheless Hamilton was putting himself in a fantastic position with good speed to make up the difference with the one stop I do however think my money was still on Verstappen just because better tires and he already had a faster car so I, th- I think it would have been really exciting. I th- just think Verstappen, had, had it all played out the way we were expecting it to, Verstappen would have just come out ahead. And so I, it's perfect that you talked about that in qualifying, right? Because Hamilton said that he was actually up by about half a tenth coming into the final corner, that banked curve for pole position. Now, I think obviously, and Lewis also admitted that, he probably wouldn't have nabbed pole because Red Bull were so quick, you know, in a straight line. So Verstappen probably would have taken pole, but a front row was there and that could have really shaped the race in a different way. But looking at it still, the safety car still would have happened. The Sonoda situation, (laughs) which we'll talk about, I'm sure for a long time, would still happen as well. Um, Look, the Mercedes were very quick. 
and and it's the same thing as usual spanners we notice this mm. every race is that the ferrari this year that's a qualifying car and the mercedes is more of a race car and it's happened again today you know ferrari just so quick on a saturday that's not where you score points if um, verstappen was already leading why would red bull bother deploying sonoda in the way they did <laughs> oh and that's what we're talking about the the conspiracy comes up next i did forget to say to you guys that the title of today's show was beta towery and that was brought to you by <laughs> jeremy menking on twitter um of course the race got turned upside down by this virtual safety car and, and that's dominated a lot of social media stuff it, it's interesting i mean if you look at my social media you can see that my initial reaction was like uh-huh really guys really so like on the surface of it max verstappen at the exact moment that he needed a safety car or a virtual safety car to give him a a cheap stop at the very moment it would be most beneficial for that to happen the junior team send out a, a driver who who stops just out of the pits it doesn't cause a safety car it doesn't bring out any kind of caution so they bring him in and then they do it again and this happens twice, just at the times that he would want it. And eventually there is a virtual safety car and he gets a cheap a cheap swap. This from a team who has a track record that has history of using and deploying their number two and you know, moving their junior drivers out of the way or deploying them to fight competitors. I must admit, my, in, my, my instinct, my initial sporting reaction, Chris, was, oh, yeah, I see you. I see what you're doing. Yeah, everyone was thinking it. We were just saying it. But <laughs> but now that we have all the facts, having studied the onboard footage... We can prove they did it! Car, with, the, <laughs> with the team radio as well. You see, w- when he pulled over with his, uh, you know, his loose wheel that turned out not to be a loose wheel, you can see his steering is bent. So he did have some sort of induced problem problem, yeah yeah so it was very clear there was something wrong with his car that he mistook as a as a loose wheel and he has prematurely he's jumped the gun on parking up the car and undoing the belts to get out and what i don't like is that after he's undone the belts they ask him to put the car back on the track which i don't like at all and that certainly explains like why he would be going slower but i think jono you've yes. got you've got a handle on this belt issue yeah. i i studied this like it was the zapruder film like the jfk assassination film like this is like in depth i spent literally 20 minutes on this so it was 11 step process right spanners you're an okay. engineer and you're pretty okay. smart as well so this would be perfect for you yuki was told to box he was exiting the pits as chris said that the wheels being angled a little bit and he just yells on the radio my tires aren't fitted what do i do so the team tells him to stop and he was literally stopped on the side of the track with the engine switched off for over 30 seconds before the team said the tires are fine. He switches on the engine again. Obviously these are push start cars. Now it's not like the olden days and he gets going again. Then the problem is he's trundling away so slow. And I was wondering why is he so slow? Mm. And I think he's loosened the belts. I think he's ready to get out of the car. And as he comes to the final corner, now that's the theory everyone's got at the moment. He comes to the final corner. He says, hey, my my belts are loosened. Can we tighten them in the pit stop? And the team has thought the tires were the problem. He gets a new set of tires. He exits the pits. And as soon as, I'm not kidding, as soon as before he's even crossed pit exit, the team goes, or uh, Yuki goes, no, nah, it's not the tires. We have to retire. And the team retires the car. So that's the reason why he's gone 
out of the pits a second time. Um, it's very complex. Mm. It was, uh, I took a lot of time out of it and that's why I didn't sleep tonight, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. So now we, that we know Jono's on the Red Bull pay, payroll, uh, he's a shill. Alex, help me, help me out here. Of course, of course it the, was a deliberate conspiracy. Of course it was. The thing that makes it sus is <laughs> no, no racing driver when getting out of a car loosens their belts. They have a clasp between their legs, basically, and they unclasp it and and it all comes off because it's there for safety. They can't reach the bits to un, to loosen the belts. Yeah. Um, so I don't understand why a driver or if a driver can actually loose, loosen their own belts. They would, if he was getting out the car, which he had the engine switched off, he was obviously getting ready to get out, which means he would have just unclipped the belts. I mean, if he was driving with them unclipped, that's even worse. Oh, and that, yeah. but the thing is, that would be like a bad thing. That would be a, a conspiracy in itself if he was actually doing that lap back to the pits with his seatbelt unbuckled and then he's trying to go, oh, no, 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 no. It was just loose. In the interview, Chris, in the post-race interviews, Yuki Snowder, I've not seen him like that before. He was sweating. He was sticking to the script. He kept saying, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, they looked at the data and, and it said one thing. Then they looked at the data again and then there was, there was another thing. And then he just kept repeating it. So... I really do feel like there was definitely there was something. We there's definitely something we don't know. No, I mean, first of all, Jeansy's right. You can't loosen the belts. You can only undo them. The reason that he didn't flat out admit that he undid them was yeah. because they would be in so much trouble <laughs> for that. And you can't prove the you know the stewards can't prove that he undid the belts. So I know in the report it says that he loosened them in inverted commas. Um, and that's why he's kind of gotten away with it, basically. Um, but no, 100%, he's undone the belt and they've had to redo it in the pit stop. That's why they were clamoring all over him in the second pit stop. Jono, then. But, I, I remember this. And do you remember that video that came out of the driver's briefing like five years ago and Grosjean and Hamilton were bickering about loosening the belts? And they asked, well, Lewis, do you loosen the belts or, or unbuckle them? And Lewis said, I unbuckle them after the race. Now, Grosjean I was think being that a grass. you could- <laughs> Yes, he, <laughs> he was. Now, I think you can do either. Now, I disagree with that. Now, I'm not a Formula One driver, but based on that fact and evidence and from experience, I think you can loosen them. Now, the thing I want to add to that was, uh, oh, God, what was I going to add? This is the embarrassing part. I don't part. know. I, don't, I, look, I, I think, I think we, we both have citation. We all have <laughs> citation needed on the exact mechanics of a Formula One driver's belt. But, and I've definitely seen that, you know, being argued. Have you yeah, found it okay, yet, Jono? So, Have you found your thought so, yet, Jono? Where was it? Yeah, yeah. I found my thought. So, okay, okay he's he's, uh, he's undid the belts and done all this stuff. But look, the thing is, the actual issue he had, and this is what I want to explain, just for some facts for people who might be listening to this, we're first, right, was he said that he reckons the drive, it's a rear-wheel drive car is Formula 1, he reckons he wasn't getting drive out of, like, the left side or something. So it was literally one-wheel drive. Um, that's what I heard the issue was with the diff. So there was a bit of an issue, and that's why he felt weird. Um, so yeah, if that's true, that's the issue for Yuki Sonoda. No conspiracy on my end. <laughs> the thing that the thing that bugs me about it being a diff issue, there's no reason you can't take the car back to the track with a diff issue. It's not mm. going to ruin the engine. It's not going to ruin the gearbox. There's no, you know, unless it's just a case of you're slow going around the track. But I think he could have got back to the track relatively quickly um, without causing too much of an issue. But with regard, just one last thing on the belts. I've sat in racing cars before with full five-point and seven-point harnesses, and there is no way 
you can loosen, even in just you know the kind of stuff I've sat in, there's no way you can loosen your own belts. The only way of getting out is by untightening it yourself. And just a very quick point on why he parked up where he did, rather than on like the pit lane exit, for example, it's because there's no space there. It's the tightest pit lane on the entire season and one of the tightest pit exits as well. There's not really a place to park up without having to close the pits. And just one last thing as well. People say, well, why did he stop at that part of the racetrack and bring a safety car? Well, watching the videos, that was the earliest point. The team's gone, retire the car. He's gone straight away, found the first point. So he's not deliberately gone to a place to to trigger a safety car. One thing that this has all brought to me with the case of any car stopping on the side of the track, uh, obviously all the drivers know where the points are, where they can stop and the car can can be quickly put away. I don't know why there isn't, little bits of road where they can literally drive off and drive completely off the circuit. Um, I just think that'll be much more so you can drive behind a barrier that's there kind of thing, because then that'll stop the need for those kind of safety cars. I think they do kind of safer. I think they do try. No, they try. Well, every time they go off, they have to be pulled back. Scandinavian flick off the barriers or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So look, the simplest explanation is that it was a, a coincidence and coincidences happen because a lot of things happen and sometimes it will be timed and it will look suspicious. I have every sympathy for people who think this looks sus because it definitely did. Uh, so the simplest explanation probably is that it was some unrelated issue. It happened to benefit Max Verstappen on this occasion. However, when it looked convenient in Singapore that Alonso benefited from his teammate crashing that turned out to actually be you'd have been called mad on the day if we'd have done a race review and said that that was a conspiracy and it was on purpose but there have been conspiracies in formula one and teams have cheated deliberately so i never want to get down this rat hole where if something looks suspicious you're wearing a tinfoil hat and you're crazy for trying to point out that it might be a team doing something wrong all the top three teams, probably now, we can point to examples where they've done sporting fouls or technical fouls or where the drivers have done professional fouls. I can point Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher and Max Verstappen. They've all done things that are a bit cheaty. Lewis Hamilton got caught lying on the radio and in a report when he was younger. He, you know, he lied for the team. Michael Schumacher parked it at Monaco. Uh, to make sure that nobody else could do a qualifying lap. I'm pretty sure Lewis Hamilton kept his foot in in Barcelona in 2016 to make sure that once he'd been pushed <laughs> off, he was taking Nico Rosberg with it. If I'm going off, you're going off with me. And I'm very convinced Absolutely. that Schumacher, <laughs> uh, that Verstappen in Monza, when he realised he'd been sort of bested into the first and second chicane and that Hamilton was going to go away, I- I'm convinced he left his foot in. And I agree with Johnny Herbert's assessment. That was a, a professional foul. So let's not get to this thing where we can't ever say a team is cheating. And if you do, it's a conspiracy theory because it's happened. And Red Bull do deploy their junior teams. I'm I'm convinced that the Spa, starting from the pit lane, was to benefit Verstappen. So that's all. It's not a crazy thing to suggest that, you know, some team might have done something a bit naughty because it's F1 and naughty things happen, Alex. I'd have been much less suspicious today if for absolutely no reason at all, both Afatari started from the pit lane at Spa. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would have been less suspicious and I let it get away. But <laughs> last week was far too suspicious. But that's a bit like when they broke the seal on yeah, Massa's yeah, gearbox yeah, yeah. to give to give Alonso the correct side of the grid, you know, in that in that race, what was it, 2012? 2012, yeah. Um, yeah. Germany, wasn't it? <laughs> Whatever it was. No, it was um, USA. It, 
I was going to yeah, say, so- Jeezy, it's like if, if you're going to do it, Jeezy, at least do it like Ferrari and broadcast it to everyone. Hey, we're going to deliberately <laughs> do this and we're letting you know rather okay. than hide yeah. it. So oh, okay. that, that, that's, that's the only reason it screams as suspicious for me. But realistically, if you go and watch everything that happened, it's a, it's more of a Yuki mess up and not understanding what's broken on his car than anything else i'd Boring. love to go, I'd, I... I'd, I'd love to go back to my kitchen get my silver foil and put it yeah. on my head um okay but wait for balance for being real for balance i think alpha red bull definitely told alpha tauri to do that on purpose to give verstappen an advantage there now we've covered everything it's it's balance i don't really think that or do i i do i think they definitely did it uh, but tactically that kind of put Verstappen in the box seat and this put us more uh, away from the advantage Mercedes had which is that they were doing really well with the hards they found something great with the hards they could do a one-stop I think Hamilton had a real chance of holding off Verstappen the other way around with Hamilton hunting him down on new mediums looked less less likely did he have I think he had new mediums or yeah that looked less likely that he was going to catch but there was a chance but once we got to the safety car we're onto the softer end of the tyre spectrum, I think Mercedes' chances diminished. So the best chance disappeared with the virtual safety car. A hundred percent. It was still, yeah, a chance. It was like 22 laps to go, a 12-second uh, gap, and Lewis had the softer compound of tyre available to him compared to Verstappen. But we didn't really have enough green flag running to see that gap properly start yeah. to, to, to come down. It maybe came down a second, second and a half in that time. And he had like five laps of green flag running before Bottas's car decided it had, had enough of uh, of being driven Yeah, and uh, parked up. What was really, really crucial though was where he parked up because they didn't go down the pit straight. The safety car and all the cars that followed it down yeah. the pit lane, which makes doing a stop like you you have to do it because you're you're only losing the stationary time at that point oh well, that's a good point yeah there was like really mm. less oh i didn't i didn't pick up on that at all Jono. <laughs> well so the the track map and and we investigated this to say okay and we'll get to the mercedes strategy in a bit but when russell made that pit stop that he did which put him behind verstappen they literally didn't have that much traffic behind him. And you saw Russell, he was pointing. He was literally furious. He was trying to get Latifi to go. He was trying to get some pace going because Leclerc was coming up and the pack was coming up and Russell didn't want to sit in pit lane. And here's another disadvantage. If you have 20 cars go down pit lane during a safety car period and you're the only one that pits, you can't really release the car unless you wait for 18 other cars to go past. So that's also an advantage, a a disadvantage too. So there's a lot of factors to consider, um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And, well, I mean, just on the Russell stop, it was his call to go for the softs. But Mercedes made the wrong decision in in accepting it because as soon as they did that, they left Lewis Hamilton completely exposed and threw away their last hope (laughs) of winning that race. Okay, so realistically, by the time we got to this point, the Mercedes chances of of securing a winner have have diminished. And we, we look at the options, which was... The split that they did this way round, which meant that, as we saw play out, Verstappen easily got past Hamilton and Russell didn't have the pace to to challenge. They could have had them both out on mediums with Russell as kind of a rear gunner. Looking at how easily he got past uh, Hamilton, I think Verstappen would have just done that twice, very kind of very quickly. And then 
for new softs versus new softs, I didn't fancy Mercedes chance either. If it was new hards, yeah. If if he's like, right, everyone strap on ten lap old hards, then I think Hamilton's got a chance of of winning. So uh, Alex, then Chris. The problem, the problem you've got is if Lewis had put the softs on, he'd have been behind Max. And I, there was no way Lewis was ever going to get past Max. So the only chance they had, and Toto said as much in the interviews afterwards, the only chance they had was to have Lewis ahead with track position and fight for it. They were never going to... Lewis was never going to rock up behind Max on new soft tyres and pass Max on track. That Red Bull's too quick. Um, so... Yeah, and they absolutely killed the fact of having George behind. But at the end of the day, I think Merck have missed out on a 2-3 and gone mm. for a 2-4. Mm. Yeah. Mercedes' whole strategy today was based on the fact that we do not have the raw pace to beat Red Bull in a straight fight. That's why they went for the one-stopper, because it was their only hope, really. I know that Verstappen dispatched of Hamilton quite easily on the restart and and pulled away of, of Russell yeah, yeah before earlier in the race as well but it was the last option there was really nothing else to be done and I think the, the restart was the best opportunity to make the pass how would it have played out differently if Verstappen had to wait a lap before he could get onto the tail of Lewis mm-hmm. Hamilton how would that have changed the course of events. I mean, th- these are things we're not going to know, obviously, but they just left him completely exposed. The best opportunity was to use Russell as a rear gunner. Quick the one, Alex. Is, Sorry, go on. Quick one, Alex, then, Johnny. The question is, is did Lewis actually also mess up the restart? Should Lewis have what? dragged um, the whole line straight to the start-finish like, line? Like Bottas because, did a couple of years back. Like, yeah. like, but, I mean, the only the only question I have there is apparently there was a crash in F2 because that's what they did. I don't know if maybe they were told not to do that. I have no... Yeah. I, I I actually text Will Buxton to try and get that information oh, well, out no. of him. Drop that. And um, then he faced, then he accidentally FaceTimed me, <laughs> um, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, he, I haven't managed to get an answer out of him for that yet. But so, um, It, it sort if, of feels if, like the whole point of your point there was that you are close personal friends with Will Buxton and had messaged him. So that's fine. But let me get to John's <laughs> non-name dropping point. <laughs> okay, so a, a couple of things to unravel here. So number one, I would have sneakily, if I was Lewis Hamilton now, I think this would have broken the rules a little bit. But when I got to that start-finish line and Max Verstappen is literally an inch behind me, I would have just been like, whoop, back off the throttle. Oh, Verstappen passed me before the finish nah, line penalty. That thought but occurred I think... to me. That thought occurred to me as well. <laughs> I think the FIA would have been like, okay, well, you've done that yeah. deliberately and they would have found you know some reason. So let's not go into that path. The other thing is also... Um, look, not considering the restart, just going back to the tire thing for a sec, like a, a couple minutes ago, was you're right, Spanners. Yeah, like I, I know. I was talking about this with trumpets on WhatsApp. Yeah, I know you're always right. Yes, yeah. you don't need to acknowledge it. Especially so, about I was the talking about this. Sonoda thing earlier. Especially about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, trumpets and I were talking about how. Well, I just think Mercedes had like four different ways to win this race, and I think they were five seconds behind on each of them. So we're trying to find ways here for Mercedes to win this race. Yes. And it would have had to be in some absolutely perfect race. And even then, they may have won it by one second at most. So at the end of the day, I think this was a destined Max Verstappen win. No, no, no. The, the, the clearest chance of winning was holding on and the Sonoda thing doesn't happen. Mm. Verstappen catches Hamilton with most of the life out of the tyres and Hamilton just somehow holds him off towards the end. That's the only scenario I saw Hamilton winning today. Chris? 
and and just before because I see the comments being written saying like, oh, why didn't Lewis Hamilton win the road? What a ham foozy podcast. No, were Ferrari going to be winning this race this weekend? No, they had zero pace. Was Perez going to be winning it? This has been his worst weekend of the season. It's like a second off his teammate. Oh, and can I also add? So people, there, I, I saw a few comments. Now, when I say a few, I mean hundreds of people going, "Oh, this is Mercedes Abu Dhabi oh, 2021 no, again." No, I, I'm sorry, and I, I, I'm, I'm very respectful to people, but if you don't understand why Mercedes and Abu Dhabi couldn't pit Lewis Hamilton out of a championship position, you need to just reevaluate that and look at that again. Same thing in this race. You can't be pitting from the lead, sacrificing a win the same way last year the race was supposed to end on the safety car and Mercedes can't pit Lewis wait, Hamilton. Wait, wait. So it's Hang the same on. situation. Hang on. Kind of. But so for, for Red Bull, they had to pit Verstappen. It was a complete no-brainer. If you gave, if you stayed out and you give Mercedes the choice to then go on to the softs, you're throwing away the race. So it was a lot easier for, for Red Bull to strap the softs on and and then give them the choice of whether they wanted to keep track position or not. So that was a bit of a no-brainer for them. They would have gone in with Hamilton saying, okay, we'll keep the track position. And then Russell then lobbied and barracked to get onto the soft tyre, which is completely the correct decision for George Russell. That was exactly the right call for him. And that's how he earned himself second place even though he probably was the number two Mercedes driver over the course of the weekend, that was a, 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 an assertive bit of driving that got him the number two. So I, I don't think I don't think there's too much to criticise Mercedes for with that stop because I, I'm not sure which tactic Alex actually got them the win from that point. The, 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 I we, think there was a talk about the perfect race. The perfect race got undone for them with Sonoda. Toto clearly said in an interview the strategy they went for today was to get the win. And that was the thing. It's a case of if they didn't get the win, it didn't matter where they finished. So they're not bothered that they were Mm. two and four because at the end of the day, their target, because they saw it and they definitely had an opportunity of winning this race, they didn't win the race. So I don't think they care. Yeah. Hence the reason in the interviews, Lewis was actually quite smiling because Lewis was like, Carl was good today. Pit stops were on point today. Everything was great. He was in such a good mood after his sweary rant in the middle of the race um after the race so i'm actually um i'm actually thinking it was just a case of we went for the win it didn't come off end of john oh, on that so so the pit stops as well just to clarify one more thing on that is uh, this is what the track looked like so verstappen made his pit stop and they're coming around the safety cars picked up lewis hamilton hamilton's at the final corner then it's latifi then it's, uh, I was going to say Rosberg, but it's Russell. That was very, that would have been <laughs> yeah. awkward. And then it was Max Verstappen. Fourth place, which was Charles Leclerc. So they're at turn 14. He was at turn 12, which was at least 10 seconds behind. So what I'm trying to say by this is what Mercedes should have done was either pit both of them yeah, and 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 gone for two and three or just keep, and if they kept both of them out, I mean, they probably would have finished third and fourth or something like that. But I think looking back on it in hindsight, they should have pitted both of them. But again, like Gene Z said, Toto said, going for the win. That was their idea. We're taking full risk. Um, I just think it was a bit of a, a bit of a dog move splitting the strategies it, between it, the drivers, it, though. Uh, yeah. Well, look, the second Lewis went on to mediums, we all said sitting duck. You know, we were all chatting. It was mm. ah, that is a sitting duck now. So it always felt that that was always going to fail. I don't think that there's some kind of personal thing. People are trying to make it out as a Russell versus Hamilton. Why did Russell get the preferred (laughs) strategy? It it wasn't that at all. They went for track position with Hamilton. Russell came on 
you know, campaigned for, for new tyres, convinced them, and it worked. And it worked for them. Yeah. And, he, and he got his He second. had nothing to lose. R- Russell had like a 10-second gap, so if he pits, he doesn't lose anything. Loses one spot. Cool. Well, let's move on to... Oh, I'll argue with something someone said. Argue on this day, back. Crazy. Who said Perez was terrible this weekend? Who was that? I did, <laughs> and rightly oh, so, because he was woeful. Okay, okay. So, But you now accept, because we've had arguments about this throughout the season, now that they have come out and said Perez is definitely running and will continue to run a different floor, you do accept now they're not driving the same car, yes? Is that argument dead yeah. now? Okay. Yeah, is it worth a second? Well, I don't know. Doubtful. But, well, okay, well, why? You know, all upgrades come with some time benefit don't they so yeah so at least we're accepting i just want to make that clear at least we're accepting i mean do do perez and verstappen have the same car no they don't are we seriously suggesting Mm. that they don't have the ability to produce the upgrades to put them on both cars and they're really gonna jeopardize i'm not suggesting (laughs) red bull literally have said perez and verstappen are running different floors they've literally said it floors how much is it worth I don't know. Uh, I've heard 1.1 seconds is what I heard, Alex. (laughs) So I have a contact who works um, in and around the cars for Red Bull. And I asked him during the race, straight out. I said, how different is Perez's car or is he just rubbish? Um, And he said, the cars are a little bit different, but aimed to suit Perez. Not sure why he's so slow today. The, the, well, what if he's lying? What if he's lying to you? Yeah. He's, he's, he's not. I can guarantee he's not. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, the source is ranging. Well, so, well, Spanners, oh, sorry, one thing, Spanners. Remember we talked about like Verstappen just prefers a pointy car, like that setup? Like, I yeah, feel okay. like it's just that. I feel like Perez Maybe. is just Verstappen. These, these, that level of driver, Verstappen, or Hamilton, or Schumacher, they love pointy cars and other people can't drive them. But yeah. it's the same car. So I don't know what Perez's future motivations are. I don't know whether he has aspirations to be world champion or he's very happy with his Red Bull paycheck at the moment. But he has found himself a really interesting role within Formula One. And I'm going to argue that he has redefined what a wingman can do. And if you're willing to fully accept and throw yourself into a supporting role in a team, you can do what Perez does. You can fight hard. Look at the difference between letting George Russell through, waving him through. I, I think he actually swung out a tow rope and pulled Russell past him. But with Hamilton, he defended very robustly, uh, fairly, I think, actually. I think all he really did in that turn one defence was delay the turn in. But Hamilton wasn't in front on his uh, you know, nose to nose. Hamilton wasn't in front. So Perez could have run Hamilton all, all the way off the road if he'd wanted to. He actually left him space. But he fought robustly and probably took about three or four seconds out of out of Lewis Hamilton. We saw what he did in Abu Dhabi. He's, he's sitting there, he's testing the tyres. He, he's doing the, the work of running a different setup to get over technical directives, allegedly. Alex, give him some credit. He's redefined that role in Formula One. I think where it says role on his driver contract, I think it just says sacrificial lamb. <laughs> Because but not, not, it's, okay. all he ever do- it's, it's all he ever does is right. he sacrifices his own race to benefit Max. And okay, that's fine. I, I've said this before. If I was running a, if I was running a race team and you said the same thing, Spanners, I would have a clear number one and I, number uh, two. Yes, I would do um, that if I was a team boss. But the problem is, is what it's done for this season is it's made it less interesting because Max is unchallenged at the front. At least when we had Mercedes domination, 
the drivers are allowed to go at each other. Okay, mm. we had Nico Rosberg and Lewis, tooth and nail. That was really, really exciting. Bottas wasn't quite up to the job, which is why he was never quite as close to Lewis. But Perez isn't even tasked with trying to compete for the <laughs> no, championship. No. It's just the case of, oh, look, there's a strategy going on. We're going to leave you mm. out and you can try and yeah. hold up um, yeah, yeah. the other cars as and, much as possible. And if possible. we if we win the constructors, that'll be nice, I suppose. You'll get your bonus for winning <laughs> yeah. the constructors. Yeah, yeah. Jono. He well, probably gets a bonus if Max wins the title. Probably. Jono. That's interesting. He probably does. Uh, well, that's actually a good point, yeah. actually. I'd love to see that contract. Uh, Red Bull do create some wacky contracts. Maybe you hit up your contact, Jeansy, and get us a copy of Perez's PDF or something for his contract. Now, can I add, have you ever seen, like last year at Abu Dhabi, for example, Sergio Perez driving seven seconds a lap slower, dangerously slow, should have been penalized for it. Now, have you ever seen someone do that in Formula One for their teammate? Have you ever seen that? Like, this guy is really... I mean, he's perfect for that role, and Red Bull have got their man. Of all the things that annoyed me about Abu Dhabi, the thing that didn't annoy me was Perez's defense of Lewis Hamilton. Well, I thought it was that. No, 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 I, thought, no, no. I, I didn't mind it. I, John, I didn't uh, mind uh, it either. The, the defense was perfect. The defense was was aggressive, and it's allowed to be aggressive. He did nothing illegal. He yeah. did not want to give up his position on track, and that is what you are allowed to do as a racing driver. I, I can talk all day about things <laughs> that annoyed me about Abu right. Dhabi 2021. The defense that Perez made is not one of them, because that was absolute Hang class well, let's from get, Sergio uh, let's Perez. Let's get a repost from the Australian. Just a quick. Let's not go back to Abu Dhabi too much. So, just the last thing on it, it is. You were talking I, I know about I Abu did. Dhabi within ten minutes of the show. I have to rebut that rubbish from Jeansy. So, just give okay, me a sec. Okay, okay. So, one thing is, um, I do agree it was very good driving from Perez, but there were some sketchy moments. So, can I clarify? Like I said, like for example, going. 100 kilometers an hour in a zone where you're supposed to be 200 to 210 out of the apex is very very unsafe and going literally less than 107 percent below lap times for one of the laps that is pretty unsafe let's not go into that too much now that race is over (laughs) but all i'm saying is perez is a perfect wingman and that's why he signed up for that role i don't think perez even i mean he wants to win the world championship and he tried remember was it this year i think or last year i can't remember which year where he had a good start yeah yeah, he had a good start and he really wanted to win it. I think he was very angry this year when he got told to move over for one race. Yeah, but yeah, like we said, we, it would be interesting yeah. to see yeah, what the contract says. But it seems to have got a natural point in the season. All I'm saying is for, for someone playing that role, he is playing it in a way we've not seen before and it's incredibly effective. I'm sure Hamilton fans would have loved to have swapped a, a Perez in for, for Bottas, you know, but, yeah, Alex. Um, Ferrari would have loved Rubens Barrichello to have been that gracious with being a number two. No, no, he, I don't think he was <laughs> compliant in that at all. And then, you know, Mark Webber was probably the de facto number two in Red Bull eyes. And he, he, no one told him. I don't think anyone told him he was the number two driver, but I think he probably was. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's move on. Uh, we should, of course, it is sometimes d- easy to skip past what Verstappen does when when the car is going well, when the team is going well. We spent a lot of time praising his teammate. Of course, Max Verstappen picks up a victory. I'm always a little bit lost as what to kind of say about this season's Verstappen victories because he does really, really well in a really, really good car. Uh, he's part of an incredibly dominant fighting force, a machine that seems to rarely fail, Chris. So, but what can what can we say extra about his performance? Uh, I mean, fair play to the team for turning the car around after what was a very difficult Friday. Um, actually, we haven't mentioned that oh, yeah, because yeah, obviously yeah. lost um, FP1 with uh, Max because of that gearbox problem. And then even in FP2, they were overheating the tyres and they couldn't get it working in the right window. And then FP3 rolls around after a good night's work and probably Sebastian Boemi doing an awful lot of lots in the simulator. Um, <laughs> straight out of the box. It's eight tenths quicker than anyone else in FP3. And I'm I'm surprised Quali was as close as it was because I thought this was just going to be a, a return to sort of spa form mm-hmm. uh, for Max uh, Max Verstappen. But yeah, props to the team for really turning it around on Friday night. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this season, with a car that dominant, you don't generally, you know, Lewis Hamilton never probably got the credit he deserved for helping develop how dominant that car is. And if they're developing a car and they have a talent like Max Verstappen to develop it too, that all goes hand in hand. It, it can the, the danger can be like Lewis Hamilton in 2019, 2020, the dominance of the car without that effective opposition in, within your team can can start to slightly diminish it. But you should also credit Verstappen for the development and direction of that car. Alex. Max Verstappen has been has been incredible. You know, I I may not be a fan of Max Verstappen. I am certainly not a fan of Red Bull. But <laughs> as a racer, absolutely see what he has done for that team. You know, it doesn't matter if you have the best car. You know, Bottas had the best car. Nico Rosberg, in all the years he was in Mercedes, had the best car. It doesn't drive itself. And you have to be the one to make that happen. And you always seem to get whenever there is a best car out there, one of the drivers seems to take the impetus, works with the car, and is the one to be propelled forward. So I never agree that anybody could win in a particular car against somebody, but um, you have to get that car from start to finish, yeah. no matter how good it is. And Max, apart from Hungary and Spain, has been absolutely perfect all season long he's actually been annoyingly likable this season which is easy (laughs) to do when you're when you're dominating and and everything and every day is a happy day it's it's, um Um, yeah it's a a career game oh sorry alex i beg your pardon and 
and you know, I, I haven't got enough superlatives, annoyingly, for Max at the moment because he hasn't made any errors. And what can you do with that? He deserves to be Ooh, in the he's position spun he's in. He's spun in Hungary. Just... He's spun in Hungary. As, as, as I said, he made two mistakes: Hungary and oh, and Spain. Um, that, but didn't he still win those races? He still won those races. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the thing that's the the most depressing thing about it all is the team we haven't really mentioned today is those red cars oh we'll get there we'll get there haven't who haven't got a scooby-doo what they are doing you know what let's (laughs) go there let's go there now let's go there now go on jeansy ferrari let's kick off and and they haven't got a clue what they're doing they they came they they called carlos in too late today and didn't have tires ready for him they they just don't know what they're doing when it comes to strategy. And, you know, I have a tiny bit of sympathy because I've been playing the F1 manager game. Oh, exactly the same. Then, uh, you, then you know. Then you know. And, and you know how difficult it is. The amount of times I've sat there on pause oh, and gone, come on. what the hell do I do? <laughs> um, you can go watch that on my YouTube. I have three episodes out already. Um, but, yeah, so Ferrari just, they have ruined this season. Red Bull haven't ruined this season. Ferrari have ruined this season with their absolute incompetence. 100%. They should be really taking the fight to Red Bull. And it's frankly embarrassing the form they are in at the moment. It seems like they cannot execute a single race without screwing something up. And it, at the very least, Leclerc's race seemed to run very smoothly. I don't think that team deserved to be on the podium um, today, but but there you go. Leclerc, Leclerc did it. With Sainz, it was just one mess up after another and you know with the the unsafe release as well i know he was arguing about it on the radio doesn't matter yeah how quick he got out of the box that was weak. he still <laughs> almost caused the crash so <laughs> I, I i personally actually for, for some reason i felt that was a very very harsh penalty because yeah he had to avoid the mclaren he was sent out way earlier than that alpine but yes it, it was an unsafe relief they I, had I, to I, accommodate that but he was going like one kilometer an hour out of the box. I mean, they if anything, know- that's a very safe release, actually. He was going that slow. <laughs> if you think about it, he shouldn't have got they, a five-second penalty at all. They know but, he can't gas it out the box, so they have to accommodate that extra well, time. Well, then he should have... Well, Chris, he should have run over the gun like the they did to the yeah. Ferrari gun, the Red Bulls, you know, something like that. Anyway, jokes aside, yeah. um, Ferrari. Now... What went wrong this race? So signs almost overtaking under yellows. I initially thought he got the penalty for that. He actually uh, oh. didn't get a penalty for that. Apparently, he overtook before the first yellow flag. I might be oh. wrong. Actually. Okay, be wrong. That, he didn't um, get a penalty for that. I thought he got a five second penalty for that. Did he get a penalty for that? I don't think he, he definitely got, got a five, five second seconds. penalty for the release. Oh, I think because it was so like touch and go. He was making the move when the yellows came out. Yeah. I I think if you hang on, wait a minute. Sorry. If you continue making your move into turn one when there's a car parked there on the straight and you're overtaking on the inside where the parked car is and there's wave yellows, I think you were bought that move. No, no, because I think the yellow, I think it begins at the first yellows where you consider it and he was ahead at that point. Now they switched back and forth. It was a little bit awkward, but the stewards found that he had made the move before he actually entered the section. Now, the way to actually fix that is. Why don't they actually add an extra yellow before that just to make it extra safe? It's like the fastest part uh. of the racetrack around Zambort. So that was very awkward. Um, I feel sorry for Ferrari. I never thought I'd ever say that. And I, I think I said that last year at one point. Um, gosh, I mean, wouldn't you be miserable as a as a fan of the red right now? Like that is just 
depressing to be a Ferrari fan the last, like, like when was the last time they had proper, like, you were actually happy to be a Ferrari fan? Like, like 2012, 2010? And True. even then, you didn't even win the championship. Grace. <laughs> what was, um, I don't want to say refreshing, but a change of tone from Mattia Bonotto. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sky Sports were talking to. Yeah. What was that pit stop? It was a mess. Not, what, what do you mean? We don't need well, to make any changes. We were changes. always planning to do the first three wheels, see how the pit stop yes. was going. And then, and then we were going to think, yeah. And that is kind of the feeling I'd got from him in previous interviews. Yeah. At least acknowledge it's a mess. Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Alex. Hi. He has frozen. I, I don't have sympathy for Ferrari. And the reason I don't have sympathy for Ferrari is they have been in the sport since they've been in the sport since day one. They get more money than everybody else, and yeah. they should know what they're doing because they've won enough championships. They've won enough races. There is no reason for their absolute incompetence this season. Yeah. Um, and I'm only so angry about it because it's, it's ruined us. Yeah. the title fight. But there's so, the thing is, it's the weight of individual errors. It's not like they're always messing up, say, a pit stop, or they're always messing up strategy. Two terrible examples, because they are always messing up both those things. But it's just the weight of things that are going wrong in every department when there's so much potential. You do have to start looking at organizational structures and is that actually working how long do you tolerate that without signs of change because it is every single race that that's the problem it's every single race we see something like that and you go the ship isn't turning around it's like in red dwarf when the red dwarf ship is accelerating at light speed for three million years you can't just turn around and go back you've got to slow down first you've got to stop they need to stop accelerating towards the darkness and then they can think about turning it around but right now if anything it's just getting worse and worse and worse can i add to that one of the worst parts about ferrari is the pressure of the name ferrari and the history and working for someone like that that's what also makes it hard imagine being an engineer for them going if we don't win this weekend we're in huge trouble it's like being a member of the los angeles lakers and if you're not going to win you know a championship for one of the biggest organizations in sports you're in huge trouble, and that's the problem with Ferrari. Now, if you're racing point, or what are they called now? Aston Martin, whatever they're called. Now, it's not as pressure, you know, if you, you come out with P14, it's like, oh, well, next race, we'll be all right. The pressure of being Ferrari is absolutely true, because I guarantee you the Italian press has had a field day. with. If Ferrari don't win a race, suddenly there's a six-page spread in why Ferrari F1 team is an absolute failure. And with it being the Italian Grand Prix this weekend, that pressure is just going to mount and mount and mount. And apparently, yeah. science is going to be doing this one from the back of the grid with engine penalties. Oh, someone in the live chat. I'm sorry, I forget about the Americans. Uh, Rebecca asks, what is Red Dwarf? Oh, I'm so jealous of you. The best. Oh, you haven't seen the Red Dwarf TV series. I'm so... Watch the first six seasons. Tell me what you thought and then don't watch anymore. And uh, <laughs> and then you'll be in for a, for, in for a, twi- a treat. So... It feels like we have our regular weekly Ferrari bashing session, but I'll just round that up by saying that was very ungood. And uh, yeah, sorry to Fosi, that must be that must be incredibly frustrating because uh, that that champ the championships were were there for Ferrari to fight for this season. So if they, it's not a case of like, oh, they need a new car part. It feels like they need a new organisation, a new structure. I don't understand um, how so many different types of things can go wrong. That points to a, a systemic problem. There absolutely is, but I feel like they are in now in need of some car parts. Having started the season with the best car, they now fundamentally, for the last couple of races, 
have not had the pace to compete with Red Bull or Mercedes. Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hello, you Hi. you Greek god looking man with your <laughs> stubble. And uh, I, 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 you're not Greek at all, are you? But I think, I think, I'm not Greek at all. I think you have the swagger and the suaveness of a Mediterranean Lothario. I see it. No, as I a have, the, I have the tan. That's about it. <laughs> you're very brown. You're, <laughs> you're a shade darker than me, Van Jean. Uh, but you have a YouTube channel which people can go and watch you do stuff on. And sometimes, mm. sometimes you don't do streams that clash with uh, Patreon Pod or Tuesday night <laughs> content. But I, but I can't remember the last time you didn't clash with it. So uh, <laughs> tell, tell people how to find you. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Alex Van Jean. You can find me on anything, basically. TikTok and Twitter is where I do most of my stuff. Um, I've started streaming the series on the new F1 Manager. Not streaming, actually recording videos of the Ooh. new F1 Manager game because the first stream I did was three hours long. It's too it long. was great because it was all starting the if season. You do say so great. yourself. And my, yeah. team was, and my team was picked by Twitter. Oh, nice. Um, so that was great. So I'm, I'm, I'm driving for McLaren. I'm keeping Daniel Ricciardo. Um for the moment i do have oscar <laughs> piastri as my no, second as my reserve yeah. driver uh, <laughs> hilariously but um no i put a couple of more episodes out on that and i really like to go and watch that because it was good fun um and i did a ferrari in my second in my final race so you'll be interested to see that i think yeah okay good and uh, we'll put the links for that in the show notes below yeah i suppose we could touch on that briefly actually as as McLaren have basically confirmed that they're doing a Leonardo DiCaprio. Ricardo's too old. They want a, the young, interesting Oscar Piastri God, to come in through the door. Uh, so that's been confirmed. But to I me, can't believe you said that. To, to me, that points to the fact that they gave up on Daniel Ricardo a long time ago. So I'm not yeah. judging mm. his performances anymore. It was before the Instagram post where he said, oh, "I'm definitely committed." They they knew yep. they knew they were getting rid of him, and once someone's out the door, they they're not going to be privy to technical meetings. They're not going to be privy to, you know, engineering meetings. They're not going to be prioritised, Chris. I I think people might we need to not apologise to Daniel Ricciardo, but let's just I think just take the brakes off. Let him get into a new team. Let's judge him when he gets settled in wherever he's going. Yeah, contract was signed just after Silverstone for Oscar Piastri at uh, McLaren, and uh, yeah, so obviously. Ricardo suddenly is no longer um, the priority. So those difficult performances mm. that he's been having, they're, I think they're only going to get worse between yeah. now and the end of the season. There's not even, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee he'll be on the grid next season. Where's his next hope? Like Haas or Williams? Is he really going to go for that? Jono. Yeah. I, I, number one, he needs to leave. He has to. That car and that team just hasn't suited him. Um, I've talked about this before where I think leaving Red Bull was the best decision because like Jensen Button said over the weekend, I would personally, if I was driving an F1, if I wasn't good enough to be the lead driver, I'd rather be the number one driver in the sixth best car than number two to Verstappen and my career's over. And basically everyone thinks you're crap and you're never going to get a world championship, that kind of vibe. So I think it was great that he left. He he, The plan for him was to go from Renault, the midfield team, back into a top team, take over Norris and revitalize yeah. that career you had. It just hasn't worked out. Now, his options are Williams, as, as much as it sounds. It seems like Gasly's going to be at Alpine. Um, the, the scary part, and what Chris mentioned, was that that contract was signed in early July. They would have made that decision a few weeks earlier too. They would have been talking about it for a while. I think Ricardo, even if he turned that car around, sorry, turned his results around a few races before Silverstone, I don't really think that would have changed much. 
Gasly is only going to be at Alpine if um, the FIA um, appreciate uh, Colton Herter's IndyCar stuff for super license points. Mm. Red, uh, Red Bull will not let Gasly. Red Bull will not let Gasly go without that. And if if Daniel Ricciardo isn't in Formula One next year, and Latifi is, that is <laughs> okay, a okay. massive falling down of the F1 system because he is too good to not be an F1. Yeah, and so I only mentioned this because we get to the McLaren part of the race review, and I just want to just stop like just bashing on Ricciardo for being down at the bottom of the field because I I think I've got a feeling. Uh, of the reasons why Jonathan Simon mm-hmm. you stream stuff people can follow you on things yeah sure uh, at Johnny S8 J-O-N-N-Y oh I forgot how rubbish your Twitter handle is <laughs> guys don't even listen to this I'm going to put a link you, in the show notes you can just click no, the link and listen follow to him. it there could be people in the audio J-O-N-N-Y E-S-S-8 Instagram Twitter follow me okay Hit the me audio up. also has links just so you know um, so we'll make sure we get links to your social media although Matt's off this week he normally does it so it might be a bit hit and miss why don't people have to listen to blue flags anymore Oh, sorry. What do you mean? Oh, I was trying to do a clever intro. I should have warned you about it. Uh, Vettel, that was just, I can't explain it. His uh, holding up of Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wake up, Johnny. All right, let's go, Van Jean. What the hell was Seb doing? Honestly. I mean, bearing in mind, there is a song that he he made that goes, blue flags, blue oh, flags, yeah, yeah, blue yeah, flags, yeah, yeah. that he made back when he used to lead races. And he just came out the pits and dawdled in front of a battle. I mean, seriously, get out of the way, especially when you are someone who has advocated for blue flags as much as Sebastian Vettel has over the years. You can't just hang around there. And he didn't hang around for one corner or two corners. He hang around for nearly half a blooming lap. lap. All he had to do was stay stay right, Jono. That's that's what baffled me. And then he just drifted across. I, I, it either would have been a miscommunication or indecision. It had to be one of the two. Or, I mean, maybe it was deliberate. That would have been funny. No. <laughs> or just, just didn't see him, was just dawdling around in his ass. Yeah. not very fast and just going, la, 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 la. Oh, look, this can't be pretty. I don't think many people would think that Sebastian Vettel would do that deliberately. But it, it was a bit odd. And had we not had the the deliberate Toro, Alpha Tauri uh, you know, intervention, then that would have been significant because that was a significant amount of time. Perez nearly got up the inside of that turn three. That bank turn three, by the way, really a fascinating part of the race, especially on the opening laps. Why don't, Alex, why don't we have more corners that allow for multiple attacking lines like that? I don't know why we don't. They are great and it's it's fun to watch, especially as you said at the start, because you can go low or you can go high. Um however, Max Verstappen said in the cooldown room, um, it actually levels out at the bottom. Um, um so you can't actually quite get the run that you'd like to. Um, what they should have done is actually have it completely banked the whole way round, because then you would have three or four different lines through that corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's great because it just means you can use the aerodynamics to literally plant the car to the ground and slingshot your way around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got that. I know everyone like doesn't like us talking about iRacing, but we've got that in iRacing, and I've driven the W12 around that track in iRacing, and it's an awesome corner. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's not so much... That like an attacking line on the inside, like it's slower. I think categorically is why everyone does the wall of death around the outside. I like the fact that it's the only corner in F1 where the track limits are monitored on the outside of the corner. 
It honestly should. I, yeah, that's it is. That, weird. Stephen went all all four wheels off at one point. Yeah, it, it's it's just weird. By the way, doesn't it look like a cereal bowl to you? Like if it went like full circle, you could like put like the world's biggest cereal in there. Just like put cocoa pops, like a hundred boxes with milk. Okay, just anyway. in, in in Jono's defense, it is really early in Australia, and he, and he, and he, and he hasn't I'm slept, hungry. and he hasn't slept since the Grand Prix, <laughs> and he and he is he is hungry. Um, all right, the the, um, the Ocon and Alonso battle was quite interesting. Ocon's going to be the team leader, so he thinks next season, Chris, but he is getting sort of. On pace, it feels like Alonso's just got the measure of him in general, and Matt's not here to defend Ocon, so we can just go mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a two and a fro. I don't think yeah. they were actually that close, but Ocon gained a lot because he didn't stop under under the VSC, and so then he got his free stop during the safety car. Uh, so he he was able to jump a lot of cars in doing so, whereas Alonso, I think, was just driving mega. Yeah, but from uh, the start <laughs> Alonso of the race. also got like a mega undercut. Uh, by going straight onto the hards, uh, he had a six-lap undercut on Ocon, and that's that's what initially got him ahead. Yeah, mm. yeah, okay, fair, fair point, point well made. Oh, but why am I defending they, Ocon? They, oh. they were, look, it was it was it was great. And Joe, fair play to Alpine, um, really getting the, the the good points haul over. I said, well, good points haul. It's the lower end of the the, yeah. uh, the some points, points, isn't yeah. it? But you know, they're outscoring McLaren, which is their main target. Alex. Didn't Alonso also drive himself off the circuit around the outside of Norris and try and blame Norris for it? The same thing. The same thing Perez did while trying to go around the outside of of Carlos Sainz. Oh, he ran me off the circuit. No, you drove off the circuit, just like he did at um, Austria. Um, yeah, no, I, I I don't have much to say about about Alpine. They they gave away the strategy that the hard tire was good. That's the best thing they did today, which which gave that whole case of oh, actually the hard tire can work, but. Um, you know, Alonso didn't quite get the start that he wanted today. You know, he he's always renowned for his good starts, um, but that didn't really come to fruition. But as Alonso always does, he plods his way along. But remember, we aren't allowed to compare Alonso to um, uh, Esteban what? Ocon because Why? for some reason he doesn't like that. That's oh, yeah, part of the no, reason he's said, leaving. Yeah. It's part of the reason what? he's leaving the team is because they were comparing shock horror. One F1 driver was being compared to the other F1 what? driver in the same car. <laughs> when I have kids one day, I'm going to take them to the Fernando Alonso Media School. Like he, this stuff. He <laughs> no, said. don't do that. Then they're horrible <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> it would be so funny to just hear the stuff they would. They would treat me like crap. I'll tell you that much. Um, he had a great race, Fernando Alonso, and they finished ahead of Norris. Like yeah. I was surprised when that happened too. I was actually need to go back and look at the tape. I didn't have enough time, but how they managed it must have been something to do with the late safety cars and everything. But great stuff from Fernando Alonso. Now constructors championship battle. Yes, Alpine are twenty four points ahead of McLaren. This is where Daniel Ricciardo comes in. Daniel Ricciardo, I, I love him, but seventeenth today. 17th in the fourth quickest car. I mean, that's just poor. Are you going to be a Piastri fan? Well, for, I, I mean, I'm going to always support the Aussies for sure. But, you know, I don't, don't, don't throw that at me, Spanners. Come on. <laughs> Do you want, uh, on that, just very, very quickly, the first thing I said to Kyle when I saw him yesterday was, Do you want to take back a few of a few things you've said about Oscar Piastri before we had all the facts? <laughs> and he said, Yeah. Do you know what? I, I did. It was the first thing I said. Chris Stevens. You yes. are doing things with commentating, do you, but you don't create your own content. I don't think you are. You Not are really. being employed by people. You're a gun for hire, a mercenary Mike 
in the wild west of commentating these days. I'm a merc with a mouth. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm like Deadpool. Right. You're exactly as attractive as Deadpool. Brilliant. Thank we've, you. We've established <laughs> that. Oh, hang on, because he's got the face that's like all scaly. So on that oh, level... You mean, oh, you, yeah. you don't mean Ryan Reynolds. You mean... But underneath, oh. he's Ryan Reynolds, who's beautiful. No, no, I didn't mean that. I meant all scaly-faced. Oh, but, um, dang it. Right, but do follow Chris. A topical, at, a topical graph of Utah. <laughs> do follow Chris at Chris on Racing on Twitter. And, uh, and go, go and check out the work that Chris has been doing with the Missed Apex social media. I would say it is slightly oh. less terrible. So if it looks professional on the Missed Apex Twitter and stuff, and soon with the TikToks, don't go, oh, Spanners has suddenly got brilliant at social media. It, it is pretty much Chris. All right, guys. So, uh, Haas, to finish off before we go to the podium, a bit of a flip around. I, w- I was saying, really... I don't rate Michael Schumacher. I only seem to notice him when he's spinning and the rest of the time he's anonymous. So it was nice to see him actually making some good moves, doing some good racing, showing what he can do. Yeah, it was but nice. He... I don't think it was... Yeah, I didn't see anything all that spectacular. No. I can't, don't even know where he finished in the end. Did he, he dropped out of the points. Alex seems to know. Oh, okay, I tried. Uh, I have the grid in front of me. So yeah, Schumacher was 13th. K-Mag was mm. 15th, and there was only about four seconds between them. Bearing in mind, K-Mag nearly wrote his car off into the wall on the second lap, which was very entertaining, the fact that he didn't come back. Or didn't He didn't destroy the car. I mean, he hit that wall pretty, pretty hard, hard yeah. um, and then came careering back onto the track uh, at the at the cereal bowl, as as Jono has, has, has done it. <laughs> um, um, go to bed, Jono. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah, so I mean, I don't think Haas did much today. They were, as I said, 13th and 15th when only 18 cars finished. So still nothing spectacular. I came up with a, a really cool segment quickly, Spanish. I think I did this last year. It was uh, let's read the uh, Sauber results and that's it. No response. So Guan Yu Zhou 16, 37 seconds off the lead. Bottas 19th DNF. All right, who cares? Let's move on. <laughs> That's your segment, Johnny. That's why I played the bumper. Where, Chris. where did it go so wrong for Alfa Romeo when <laughs> yeah. remember Bottas at the start of the year was like yeah. challenging for the second row of the green? Killing it. In the top five. It was absolutely mega. Where has it all gone wrong? Yeah, well, the thing is, the Ferrari engine teams in general, do you remember at the beginning of the season, you were all saying to me, Haas are going to be right up there. I said, no, they'll be like the second to worst team. And uh, uh, they are, aren't they? I think they've all gone backwards. Well, uh, they were up there. Yeah. At the start of the year, yeah. Well, mm. they, so they got a bit of a good start. Now they're back to where I said no they'd money. be. No money. So they're not developing either of those teams. Could it just be that they've sacked off twenty twenty two? Actually, <laughs> I know where it's gone wrong for Alfa Romeo because the only reason they were quick at the start of the year because they were the only car that was underweight. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. Actually, yeah, Alfa Romeo were the only car actually that met the weight. Yeah. Every other car was too heavy, so that's something that happened there. Uh, the Haas as well, and like I said, this that. They brought their first upgrade the latest out of any other team. Ironically, they actually um, went quicker before that. I don't know how that works. Anyway, uh, but yeah, they just have no money and and Sauber have no money too. They really need that Audi takeover to come um, ASAP. They really need it. Sauber have not been at the top of the grid. God, since 2008. My God, that's like 14 years ago. Jesus, what's happened to you, Sauber? Uh, 2012, they had one of the best race cars on a Sunday. Remember Perez got three. That's 10 years ago. Right. No, nah, but that was that was Malaysia. That was in the wet. That was no. Lucky. It wasn't just Malaysia. It was Canada. It was Monza. It was all nah, these other enough. races that Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the wet is what scuppered him as well because he went off when Alonso was. Ahead. <laughs> no, he wasn't <laughs> allowed to beat Alonso. That's what scuppered him. 
the place. Ooh, okay, well, fair forward. enough. Fair enough. Can I so just add to that as well? Yeah, the the I'm gonna hope that those teams uh, aren't running out of money. I'm going to hope they're focusing on next year's car, uh, but we know in reality they're struggling. <laughs> they're really struggling. Let's move on to the podium. The Netherlands Grand Prix, the Netherlands Grand Prix, the Dutch Grand Prix, the Zandvoort Grand Prix, it was a surprise, a surprising treat. I had very low expectations. I was also a bit worried about how it would uh, go down at the circuit. It seemed like a nicer party atmosphere. I'm not hearing, you know, nothing particularly negative coming out of that. And, uh, and it look, did look like a, a festival of F1 fandom. And the race on track was good as well. It delivered. The new regulations continue to deliver. Although Ferrari underwhelmed, they, they were still in with the chance of winning this race and Mercedes a little bit unlucky also genuinely in with a chance of winning this race three teams could have won this race you could argue Ferrari with a little bit of luck and maybe a a little bit more organization could have won more races recently but today we did have three teams that were in with a chance of winning and we've been wanting that for a, a long time so I think we can appreciate we can appreciate that when it comes along it could be that this new regulation set means that we're spicing ourselves up for 2023 and 2024. I have hope for the future of Formula One. There are plenty of seasons in Formula One where one team and one driver gets away and dominates, but they can be very entertaining, like today. But here on Missed Apex Podcast, we give out some awards. If you've got as far as the awards, if you sat through the cereal bowl analogy and Van Jean sometimes speaking into the mic <laughs> and sometimes talking directly away from the mic. If you've got if you've tolerated all that, you might want to support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash missed apex. Link in the show notes below. Go and have a look at the extra stuff that you can get as being a patron, but mostly it's supporting an independent content creator. All right. We do awards. The first award we do is a we're super positive. This is great. I love this award. It's the thing of the weekend award. I love these bumpers. Big shout out to Uncle Steve for for delivering and making our videos look pretty. All right. Who wants to be super positive first? Alex. I'm going to give it to the Dutch Grand Prix for actually putting on a really, really, really good race. I see this, you know, everyone was kind of a little bit skeptical with this race because it's a tight, twisty little circuit that maybe shouldn't be a Formula One circuit. I see it in the same realms that I see Hungary. Hungary has one or two main overtaking spots. Yeah. The rest is a bit follow my leader, but it does create a really good race pretty much every season these days. And I really saw that from the Dutch Grand Prix better than last year because they could follow so closely forever, which is one brilliant thing. One of the, which is the brilliant thing these new regulations have brought us. Um, so yeah, I'm just giving it to the Dutch Grand Prix for putting on a great event. That that is the worst thing of the weekend we've ever had. My yeah, thing of the like race is yeah, the race. Yeah, it was unimaginative. Uh, it was poor. Unfortunately, uh, he's having a rant now, but he's left himself on mute. Which just <laughs> as in the track. <laughs> I'm talking about the track. Yeah, the layout. Okay, it's not what you said. Yeah, I don't think it was a, it was a good response. Since when are you allowed to be pedantic? <laughs> All right. Well, Always. let's move on. Let's move on to Chris, who hopefully will do okay. much better. 
Chris, what's your good thing? <laughs> My thing of the weekend is the gyro cam that they ran on Carlos Sainz's front wing because you got mm-hmm. a proper sense of the banking and the way the circuit sort of folds in on itself as they were going around those banked corners like turn three in the final corner. And it's it's like what they have on the back of MotoGP bikes. It was really great TV to watch. A camera from bikes. That's your. That's worse than Alex's. No, this it's is going not. very it was brilliant. badly, this segment. Jono, that was awful, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Jono, rescue us, please. Uh, bring some Australian grit and charm to this segment. Yeah, I'm going to bring an ingenuity of one. So my bad thing of the week goes to... No, no, uh, this, Yuki. Is good, this is the good thing. Oh, this is the good thing. Oh, Sorry, my oh, bad. God, my bad. You all my suck good, at this game. My good thing of the week <laughs> is uh, Alpha Tauri, so Yuki Tsunoda and Valtteri Bottas retiring from the race, and here's why. Nicholas Latifi was about to finish last in every session this weekend, which I can't remember the last time that ever happened in Formula One history. And they saved him during the race when he finished 18th because of those two retirements. That's very weird. That's my good thing of the weekend. Surely Mazepin would have finished last in every session for some weekend. Surely. I've got to double check that. Yeah, it's got to be. Come on. Yeah, maybe. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to Perez and his number two-ness you're not a fan of that Alex but I'm just saying I'm just saying for that role I think that's the best example of that role we've ever seen he's so rubbish that he has to play a number two role the only thing he can do well is be slow enough to hold up his teammates competition yeah well yeah (laughs) All right, that's harsh but anyway I stick with it now we get to be super negative and do a bad thing award Oh no, you missed the apex. And we are fully qualified to criticise Formula One drivers and teams because Alex has played F1 manager and he streamed it. I've got a sim rig and uh, we did go-karts at the weekend, Chris. So, Yeah, no, I, mine isn't so much a, a, a criticism as it is uh, a cringe. You ever, you ever feel awkward watching DJs and the way they just sort of bounce their arm up and down? <laughs> to their own what? sort of music and go they're like "Ooh, this is good this is exciting okay and they had the dj on the grid for the start of it and i was just oh, watching right. it was really really cringy i didn't catch any of that because i put it on mute when it was the national anthem because i just can't stand national anthems. they're all <laughs> such dirge it was a good idea there was no point watching the pre-race build-up because you couldn't hear anything they were saying because the music was blaring those kids should just keep the noise down <laughs> while we're trying to enjoy our f1 uh jono who missed the apex for you uh it would have been uh, when the uh contract board came out with their decision showing the fees that it cost alpine showing that alpine have to pay over 100 grand to not only oscar piastri but then pay 200 grand to their competitors mclaren for the time wasted with that whole contract saga uh that's my bad thing of the weekend kind of not really to do with the race but kind of came out during the weekend so uh that's embarrassing you got to, not only did you lose, but you have to pay the money. I mean, that is just, it's a slap in the face, it's man. A big, it's, a big, it's a big L. Right. Uh, Van Jean, who missed the apex mm, for you? My missed apex is the absolute idiots who I can't even consider Formula One fans who chucked flares on the track during qualifying when it looked like Max Verstappen might not have got pole. These people aren't Formula One fans. They are just fanatics. And there is no place for people lobbing things 
on the circuit and it, it just angered me um and thinking about it again just makes me even more angry that people would throw things on a live racetrack is just ridiculous to me i'm gonna give my missed apex award to alpha towery and it's gonna it's but it's got a bit of a time delay it's for whenever we find out what actually happened for whenever the truth comes out about what on earth was going on with that that double pit exit entry pit stop and changing tires for no reason Whenever we find out what the truth behind that was, that will be my missed Apex Award, because we definitely don't know what happened. I don't think that's too crazy. What other awards do we do? Oh, no, I think, I think we're at the end of the normal show. I have I've enjoyed that. And, oh, we've come in just under an hour. How lucky is that? Go and follow my panel at Alex Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. This young Australian sprite. Go and follow him by clicking the show notes because I can't remember what his Twitter handle is. Go follow Chris at Chris on Racing. And if you have the time, give me a little follow as well at Spanners Ready or be my friend on Facebook. Look, look for Richard Ready on there. And I'm on Instagram as well. Search for Richard Ready on Instagram. It's mostly cats and awkward selfies. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Missed Apex Podcast. I think we'll try and get a mailbag show in at some point during the week. And then, of course, we've got the Italian Grand Prix race review. But wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.